Welcome to the Association Strong Podcast, where we offer insight from both a seasoned association exec and an entrepreneur. I'm Dave Will. And I'm Tom Morrison. Listen in as we discuss and debate hot topics in the association community. Don't forget to subscribe and share us with your friends. Hey, Mark Gedris, welcome to the Association Strong Podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Really, really appreciate your time. Oh, of course. Happy to be here. And, and if, if any of our, if, if this regular listener of ours has noticed, this podcast started a little bit different today. Mark, do you know why that is? It's because I'm getting all the attention from you today. That is correct. Yes, there's a, no Tom Morrison. Tommy Bahami, we're going to have to imagine the things he's in. Maybe I'll just jump into Tommy. I'll jump into my Tommy voice every now and then and, and, and pretend to be him down in Florida in MTI. So I'll tell you about all his things. I could do that. But um, that probably would get pretty annoying pretty quickly. So I won't do that, Mark. So, Mark, thank you for joining me in this uh, this this. Uh, series of interviews we're doing where we're drilling down into very specific examples of engagement at very with with people responsible for membership or engagement at various associations and mm -hmm. to me it's it's really really cool to hear um hey the individual stories of how people got into their jobs uh, that's neither here nor there really but it, it's still kind of interesting to get to know you a little the other piece of it though that i i really enjoy is is um uh, hearing some of the similarities and the differences between the associations i, I just I, you know having I, it, you got a few grays on you so i'm assuming you've been in this industry a little while 25 years yeah working for associations 25 working straight years. for associations yeah. all right so mark uh, we're going to hear about that in a second um don't you like how i flatter people when they come on <laughs> goodness you've got a few grays don't you yeah we we're both in that boat right now so uh mark you're with the uh mark gedris is the vp of member engagement he's with the construction management association of america that's cmaa and uh, if you're intrigued and you want to check it out, cmaanet.org. And um, I'm proud of you, Mark. You know why I'm proud? Yeah, that's a, that's a very open-ended question. I'm proud of you because it wasn't hard to find out what CMAA stands for. <laughs> it drives me bonkers. Like, it's really, and Tom, too, it's so frustrating when you go to a site, any site, and the acronym is all over the place, but you have no idea what it stands for. Yeah. Well, we actually went through a phase of that for a while. And it, it was when we were debating international expansion, believe it or not. And so we were worried that having of America in the name was going to confuse people. So we actually started removing that tagline, uh, our name from our logo and People was oh, CMAA, who are you? What do you do? And we're like, we were tired of saying it over and over and over again. It's like, we need to put our name back on there, right? Um, and because let's face it, the practice of construction management is not something that everyone knows uh, right away either. So it helps open up the conversation when they at least know what you're doing and not confusing us with the country music association of Australia or the club managers association of America. 
so they know exactly who they're they're talking to. Um, and that's also a great way to get our foot in the door, right? So make sure that people are um, aware of who we are and that we are their community. Uh, the practice of construction management, which has only really been around for about 50 years now, um, uh, has evolved so much over the years that it's important for people to know where where we're coming from, who we are. And that's a great way to start that engagement process. All right. We're going to get to CMAA in a few minutes. So first, I, I jumped know... the gun. I apologize. No, you didn't, you didn't jump the gun. You're excited. I, I, I actually, I almost followed you down that little rabbit hole there, asking questions about construction management and telling you stories about my son who's going to be an engineer. And see, here I am. I'm, I'm doing it right now. I love it. But before we do that, Mark, can you just give me a little bit of your background? You've been working for associations for 25 years. Yeah. I, you know, this is something I, I say oftentimes to people when I talk to them about associations, like nobody dreams of working for associations, not like a fireman or a policeman or, right. or, or even starting a company like I did, like working for an association, you know, who just joined us, we have, we have Tommy Bahami who just decided to, to, uh, to wake up, I guess snooze was it, was it the snooze alarm, Tom? Dave, I know that between you and our guests that you have never had your schedule blow up in your face when you woke up and looked at it, right? <laughs> All right, Tom. So we're we're at the stage of I'm glad you're here. We're at the stage of the podcast now where Mark is telling us a little bit about his background. Uh, I can bring you up to speed. He's been before he got involved in CMAA. Uh, he he's been well, including CMAA. He's been working for associations for 25 years. Uh, Mark, how did you get into the association world? I think like a lot of people, I just kind of backed my way into it, right? Uh, like you said, go to school saying, I want to be an association executive. Right? You don't even know what an association is in no. college. In fact, um, most people don't know what it is as an adult either. Right. But real um, quick, you know what people do know is what? they always say, because I've been to colleges and they say, I want to go work for a nonprofit. That's about the extent of what they know, but they don't know that an actual Association. association. They think of nonprofits as being the American Cancer Society, Epilepsy Association. They don't realize there's the, the Realtors that's, Association, that's the Manufacturing a good Association. So yep. A lot of people know nonprofits. They just don't coordinate it out to be a association. Yeah, right. true that. They, they all want to go work for a, you know, a C3, right? They want right. They want they want to cure cancer. They don't want to work for uh, the professional society that deals with construction managers and engineers. Um uh, you know, and I was going to school. Uh, I'll give you the 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 super uh, abridged version. I wanted to study politics. Came to school in D.C. I was going to be. Uh, I wanted to study politics, right? And I learned quickly. Where'd you grow up? Where where where? I'm originally from New York. New York, uh, New York yeah. State, New York City. If you ask someone in New York City, I grew up in upstate. If you ask someone from upstate New York, I'm a city boy, right? I grew up in Westchester County. so the Oh, summer, yeah. That's that's right? pretty much the city. Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, yeah. Born in Yonkers. So um, uh, I went to school and for to study politics. And I learned quickly in Poli-Sci 101 that, you know, this was not for me. And so then I switched over to history. And they're like, what, do you, what the hell are you going to do studying history, right? I'll be a history teacher. 
I I can't be around kids that long. So that that's that, the worst, you know, aren't they? You know, even mine, especially <laughs> mine. Um, and you know, so I needed a job. And in the D.C. area, you know, the second largest uh, employer after the federal government are associations. And I got my first job entry level with the uh, UTC, uh, the Utilities Telecommunications Council, which dealt with critical communications for uh, electric, gas, water, utilities, critical infrastructure. Uh, I was there for seven, eight years uh, in membership, marketing. Um, uh, I served as the editor-in-chief of their uh, monthly journal. Um, And then, you know, after like a lot of people after first job, I'm ready for more and kind of bounced around looking for my home, right? I worked for the Bakery Association for a little bit. a year and about 75 pounds later, I left that one. <laughs> Come um, on, Rick. Hold on. Time out for a second. For for real, like at the Bakery Association, is there an outrageous amount? Like, do you actually have baked goods around you more? Um, you'd be surprised at how many members send you things. Like <laughs> Mardi Gras, you know, uh, we'd probably get eight or nine king cakes sent to us, right? Um Oh, that's we, fantastic. We, we put on these little bakery expos and conferences for, for the retail bakers, right? So the small mom and pop bakeries. Um, and some of the some of the big bake bake good producers like Dawn Foods and uh, uh, Bakemark and all those would come in. I kid you not, they would be frying donuts on the exhibit floor, right? And so awesome. you'd go back to your hotel room that night stinking like oil and feeling a little sluggish because you may have put down a few too many. Um, so I was at the retail bakers. A few too many donuts, too not many beers. Donuts. <laughs> you know, I was at the retail bakers association. I was at the motor coach association uh, dealing with group travel and buses. Um, and that was, a, that was a tough gig. I'll, I'll be honest. Um, uh, I was in the membership and communication side and there would be mornings I'd wake up and I'd put on the news and I'd see a story about a bus crash, you know, like my second week um, right after I started was the Bluffton university baseball team bus crash down in Georgia where like 10 members of the baseball team lost their lives when a bus, a motor coach crashed, oh, um, you know, and I'd wake up and I'd tell my wife, I'm like, I'm going to the office. And she's like, it's six o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I need to be there, right? My phone is already ringing off the hook. And, you know, talking about, and this is when they were debating putting seatbelts on motor coaches, right? And because buses weren't required to have them. Um, Would it make it safer? And answering that question time after time, um, it it wears on you, right? And, um, you know, most of the the accidents that occurred while I was there for three years were not UMA members. Uh, they were usually people who didn't even necessarily have the proper operating authority. So they were either running illegally or not. Uh, they weren't uh, didn't have operating authority for crossing state lines, which required different um, uh, regulations and. You, know, you can't get on a phone with a reporter who's asking you about why this, you know, this bus crash and say, well, they weren't one of our members, right? They, it just really wears on you. So um, 
I, I, I was ready to move on from that. And then, so then I went to the parking association, right? Yeah. There's, there's associations for parking, right? One of the most despised professions in the entire world. Right. Um, and then I went to go work for the Apple Association, the United States Apple Association, the uh, fruit, not the phone. And um, that was a, a, an interesting job. Uh, you know, I got to travel all over Washington State and uh, the Ridge in Michigan and uh, truly upstate New York and look at how apples are produced uh, and apple orchards and the packing houses and the the industry behind produce it was amazing and uh, then i came over to cmaa and i've been here for 10 years now uh and in um it's a I, it's a great association it's a great industry it's changing so much in the 10 years that i've been here technology you know watching members our members build the, the infrastructure that we rely on daily, right? Uh, here in the DC area, I live outside, um, out Interstate 66, and I've watched them convert those into new lanes and uh, all the things that VDOT, who's one of our members, and um, RK and K and AECOM and Jacobs have done building this infrastructure, watching some of the buildings that have gone up, um, uh, our members' response to Superstorm Sandy, right, 10 years ago, which had so much had to be rebuilt in the New York metropolitan area, um, how our members responded to that. I, re um, I remember, if I'm not mistaken, that was the one they actually canceled the New York City Marathon that year, days before. Yes. This is yep. like a 50,000 per 40,000 person marathon. Yep. Brings all this uh, commerce to the city. I mean, massive decisions being made around that. Uh, can, so... can you tell me a little bit about what exactly is the Construction Management Association of America? Who are mm -hmm. your members yep. from an individual level, but also I know you have professional members and organizational members. I can see that on your website. What is the value proposition? Uh, how big is the membership? Take me through all that. Sure. So as you said, we're a hybrid membership structure, uh, organization and individuals. We have over 17,000 individual members uh, representing um, roughly about 1,200 organizations um, that are either the firm agency individual that provides CM services, right? Construction management services, sometimes uh, referred to as owner's representative uh, services. Our members also are the owners of these capital projects. So uh, on the federal level, GSA, Department of Veterans Affairs, the architect of the capital, all of these groups that are responsible for building uh these capital programs, departments of transportation, airports. Um, and our members provide a range of services from, you know, estimating, scheduling, um, C, true CM, owner's rep. Um, they, uh, CM is the bridge between the general contractor, the GC, and the project owner. So, 
they represent the owner's best interest when working with a with a contractor. I see. that that helps a lot. I, I've I've heard the term construction management specifically because my, my I have my youngest is going into college next year. He's going to UVM. Just got accepted recently and. Uh, University of Vermont, and um, but one in, and he's going for engineering. But Great. one of the areas of interest for him was construction management. The interesting thing is, there's not a lot of schools that teach construction management. There, there are some. There are a lot more. But I think what we're seeing in the industry is a lot of people coming from other sides. Right. It used to be uh, if you were a construction manager, you probably got your degree in civil engineering and you were a civil engineer and then moved into more of the building side. Yeah. Um, to what we're seeing of a lot of people coming in with business backgrounds or yeah. in other backgrounds that it doesn't necessarily require you um, to be a PE, to be a CM. Uh, we have a lot of PE. Wait, PE? What's a PE? Uh, uh, professional engineer. Sorry. Okay. And, and um, so you must not have very many students as members, I guess. We or... have we have over 800 student members. Uh, we have uh, that number fluctuates every year. Um, there are a lot of accredited construction management programs. We are actually, CMAA is the lead society with ABET. Uh, ABET is the uh, accrediting body for um, college programs are one of them. Uh, so if you are an ABET uh, accredited school um, for construction management, you're following the CMAA developed curriculum for CM. Um, a lot of schools offer CM as a focus of a general construction degree or a construction technology degree. We're seeing a lot of people come out with with construction technology uh, degrees that are working their way into CM because so much has happened in the technology side from building information modeling, BIM, which is, you know, something that was on the forefront a couple of years ago. And now, I mean, you're looking at these diagrams, they can virtual reality, turn it all around. You could see, you know, take a slice of a building and see the entire schematic, right? No one walks onto a job site anymore with blueprints under their arm and flipping through different pages. It's all in their, uh, you know, their tablet and their iPad using the different programs and technologies out there. It's amazing, right? So that's one of the cool things when you're talking with a CM and they can open up this program and show you what the, what the building is looking like all the way from design to commissioning. Um, you know, basically turning over the keys to the owner. Um, I think that's one of the most amazing things, Mark, when you look at buildings and you look at all the wiring, the plumbing, the electrical, the AC, HVAC, I mean, everything that goes into a, a hundred story building yep. and it all connects almost perfectly from beginning to end. It's it's yep. incredible to me, the amount of detail that they have to guess and go. I mean, when you see an apartment complex and they're putting the elevator shafts up first, Yep. And you're like, I hope they aren't off by like six inches, <laughs> but they're not, they make it work. Yep. You know, it's, it's incredible. Exactly. But, so I got a big question for you in all this. So when you look at, you know, your association is construction management association, then you've got AG, AGS, AGCs, you got the home builders, you've got every subcontractor association, association out there. How are you differentiating yourselves? What's your core message from all, from all those? You know, it's 
when you're, I don't want to say a niche association like CMAA, right? We're not AGC. We're not ABC, right? right? We're not the general contractors. We're not the, um, the, the, the big, we're not AIA, the architects, right? Or ACEC. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of those organizations, which cast a very wide net, and if you're in the field of CM and we're, you know, moving away from saying a construction manager to a construction management professional, mm-hmm. because a construction management professional can be a CM, it can be a scheduler, it can be an estimator, it can be a, a value engineer. These are all jobs that relate to the practice of construction management. And so our message is this is there's a home for you at CMAA, right? We speak your language. We provide right. the, the benefit to you as a construction management professional, the people that you're going to connect with and network with um, at our events um, uh, in our virtual platforms. It's a, you know, what, like when you get down to it, what's the purpose of an association in general, right? It's a source of education. A it's a great question, knowledge. by the way. Pretend that was my question. Go ahead. Source it, of it, education. You know, knowledge. You know, I hate the networking word because when you say networking, everyone thinks of a, a cocktail reception, right? But it's that engagement. It's finding people like to me. commiserate with. Right? Finding people like me, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um. You know, one of the beliefs I have when, you know, we used to do a lot more print marketing materials is we didn't show pictures of bridges or buildings and all that. We show pictures of people, right? People don't join organizations. People join people and they want to go where they see themselves, right? They want to be, I, you know, that is me. It may not be a picture of me, but that is me. That's the mm-hmm. same person I am. He's dealing with the same, you know, issues i am he's got you know the the same time demands the same you know scheduling all you know juggling seven different projects right these are my people that's that's me and we can talk shop we can say how have you fixed this here's how i can here's how i've solved this problem even if they don't necessarily have an answer to how to fix this knowing that there are other people out there dealing with the same problems I am, right? Misery loves company. Um, sometimes it's just great having that home. And that's the messaging that that I believe, you know, all associations should be pushing out there. Um, that if you- I've got a couple members, Mark. Yeah. I got a couple members, Mark, that go right down that path. When they say the most exciting moment that they experienced in the industry in their life, when they actually showed up at their first association meeting and everybody understood the terminology they're talking about because they're like, I try and talk at cocktail parties or dinners with my friends about what I do for a living. And I can't talk because I can't get past the first word I spit out technically because they can't understand it. But when I go to a, a meeting when there's a hundred people in the room that know what I know, he's like, that's the most exciting thing in the world professionally. Yep. And so you're right, man, that it really drives people to be together once they figure I can openly talk about my industry, what I know, my terminology, because I know you know what I'm talking about. And that's as a marketer, how do you bottle that up and sell it? Right. Mm -hmm. How do you sell it to 
the people who are 50 years old who are established in their career? How do you sell that to the 30-year-old who is trying to take the next step in his career? And how do you sell that to the 22-year-old who, do, who doesn't think he needs it yet or they need it yet, right? Um, uh, that this is where they belong. Um, and it's, 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 a, it's a different sell for each community. You know, of course, we know that. Uh, but like you said, Tom, watching people who oh, come to their first CMAA meeting, right? We know that they're um, a first timer, right? And you see them. And, and when we, we survey uh, our, our, our attendees at events afterwards, we specifically look for the people who are attending their first conference in more than, you know, seven, eight, nine years. If And we look at their results. We specifically filter down to our, our first time attendees and our did we do enough to get them back right and we look at those results because that ultimately is how you grow as an organization so tell me this mark let, let's jump into the crux of really what today is about we learned about you we learned a lot about cmaa tell me uh in, in either order you want what what do you struggle with and what do you think you're doing really well when it comes to engagement? And, and I'd be curious how you define engagement because it's such a broad it word. Is. To us, engagement is any interaction with the organization. From the passive, right? We, we track in our engagement scoring open rates. We track click-throughs, which can drive a, a, a data an, uh, analyst nuts, right? Because it puts so much more data into the equation. But let's let's be you know realistic. When you're an organization of eighteen thousand people and you're getting thirteen hundred at your at your conference, there's that leaves you know sixteen thousand plus members of your organization who aren't coming to your conference. And how are you engaging with them? How are they interacting with you? Um, is opening your emails and reading through your newsletters and clicking through to a white paper. If that's how they want to interact with us, if that's their sweet spot, I'm going to take it. Right. Um, for the people who want more, we are able to give them more. What are we doing? Well, um, what are we not doing? Well, let's start there. Right. Cause I think everyone is able to, yeah, what are you struggling out. with? I think we're like a lot of organizations, we're struggling with finding finding the right messaging for that next group, right? For a lot of people in the four thirty-five plus demographic, associations are a little bit more commonplace. Finding the the right messaging to the 30 and under generation of why you need to be in an organization for those who have been in virtual communities their entire life, right? They got their first iPhone, right? If you're 26 years old, right? You got your first iPhone when you were like, what, 13, 14 years old. You've been using that your entire life. Your entire life has been on the, on the internet. Right. You were in chat rooms. You were using instant messenger. Right. You know, I remember I got my first email address my freshman year in college. Right. And it was 
40,000 characters long, right? We are, by the way, Mark, we're the same age, apparently, because my freshman year of college, my, my cousin came to me and said, hey, you, you should go to your math science building and set up an email address. And I remember this. So it was so funny. My response to him was like, why would I do that? Just leave me a message in my answering machine. machine. Yeah. Like, you want to reach me? Just like, that's the easiest way. Why the heck would I want to log into a computer to see what pager. you have to say? I had a pager, right? If you needed to reach me, you could hit me on my pager, right? Just put 911 afterward if you really need me to call you back, right? And so all that that community, that that group have been finding alternate sources of networking and engagement since the day they were able to hold a tablet in their hands, right? So you're struggling at, with engaging the younger community. Now, is it engaging them or is it is it drawing them in? So in other words, is it a recruitment or is it a retention challenge? A little bit from column A, a little bit from column B, right? right. Um, adapting, you know, for the longest time, What's your number one e uh, marketing vehicle? Email. Well, yeah. For for me, I read my email. Right. It's for a lot of people. They you know they don't look at their email. It's how do you get your messaging out? Um, is it it's using social media, um, which it's changing the way you, that you think about how you're marketing. Um, it's getting it's it's not even twitter anymore right it's um it's content it's packaging that content in, in it's in, everywhere it's it is it right? is it's, it's every, that's a great point so we're used to basically i think that the traditional association approach to the world has been we have a broadcast to send out and we're going to tell everybody over fax oh, wait no we're going to tell everybody over email wait no we're going to do marketing automation now because that's the most sophisticated tool we have so we're going to send stuff out to everybody and hope that people filter through to figure out what's relevant now, and that's primarily email right now tom you just said something interesting which was uh, it's everywhere or something like that but the idea now i i believe and i love this this is where i get really excited is this idea of trying to go where the member is be in front of them wherever they are and for some people that might be sms for some people it may be email done well i hope and then there, there's also the social media stuff there's twitter now that's that's a lot to take on as an association how many staff members do you have when we're fully loaded we'll be up to 25. 20, so it's not big and what's the revenue of, uh, of uh, for for cmaa six six million okay so you're a medium-sized association I, I would consider that a medium-sized association um now are you really going to hire somebody to manage all of those mediums? It's hard to do. Really, really hard to do. It is. Um, you hire the people. And I was just going through a search to fill some people in the Marcom team. Um, you find the people who can manage it. You find the people who can set the strategy. You find partners who can knock a lot of that stuff out for you. Um if your strategy is flawed, having the right people to execute isn't going to help you, right? So I think it's important to have the right uh, strategists in-house um, and 
what if it requires a full-time position, you bring that full-time position in. If you can put it together using outsourced pieces, you you do that. You can't just ignore it, right? Um, the what, what, uh, what do you think of SMS as a medium for communication? I ask that because we, we, we've started working with some clients and, and we just started, we added SMS to our, our mm -hmm. suite of things that we provide. And it, it's what I'm discovering. It's, it's uh, intriguing a lot of people, but it's really early stages of, for at least associations, utilizing SMS as a communication method. I'm curious, is that on your radar? It is. Um, you know, the, the biggest problem we have right now is that it's, uh, um, sorry. No, it's all right. Uh, is it's intrusive. Um, for you. Yeah. I'm sorry. Can you give me one second? Yeah. Yeah. Tom, we'll just edit this, this piece out when, uh, yeah. For the, okay. Do you have a time where this is at? I don't, uh, but we started about, I want to say 10 after, so probably about 35 minutes in. Okay. And then like, I'd say five minutes and then we should start to wrap. Yep. Yeah. I want to get to his, you know, what has he learned? What's his best practice? He thinks he's. I, yeah. I apologize. So let's, let, a, no, that's all right. Let's get, let's pick it up with SMS. So, so I think the, the, the problem. Wait, hold on, that... hold on. Pause for a second because this is for the editing. Sorry. Uh, I think the, the the biggest challenge with SMS is that it can be deemed intrusive. Um, for you, and, for uh, you, it can be intrusive for you. Yes, but, for the end uh, user. For, for me, right? I I actually prefer uh, being able to get rid of stuff in my inbox and handle something through SMS. Right. Which yeah, I, I, I think, so I, I didn't mean it, to challenge you. I think it's a really interesting topic that for you it's intrusive. For me, it's welcomed. I think it's not so much. It, it's not really that intrusive for me. I think the perception of it from other people is that it's intrusive, so that they want to. Depending um, on what's in it, maybe. Right. Be you want to buy a new shirt? Look at our new shirts. That's intrusive. Right. I think that it's uh, they want to be careful in how they roll it out and utilize it. Mm -hmm. That's where I think we are right now with it. Um, it's it's a change from being passive, right? So much of marketing tends to be passive uh, and it, it moves on from that passive uh, point. Um, and uh, there's some great opportunities there. Yeah. I think All when right, you look Tom. at intrusive, I think when you look at intrusive, I think some people saw their phone as escaping away from all that stuff because they could leave it on their computer and their email. And now when it, now it's seeping into their, now I can't even sit around my phone and get away from it all because it's now right. coming through my phone. And I think- oh Yeah, do you know how many that, bubbles I have on my phone saying I have I know. Like, unread messages? I have, I have messages, I have WhatsApp, I have Signal, I have Messenger, I have Instagram, I've got Slack, I, 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 and not to mention email, all right here on my phone. Yeah, this yeah. is not a relaxing device right here. You need to clear so that quick. out. Real quick before we take take turn four, I want to share something with Mark. So, Mark, you're we're all in that that endeavor. I'm a trade. Our group is a trade group too. We're on that endeavor where we're trying to take the marketing message to the over thirty five and sift it down to the under thirty five in some fashion where it draws them right. in. And what I've really looked at and, and what my research I've done and kind of studying a lot of that stuff is the baby boomers back in the 60s didn't join associations in their 20s as well. They were they were young, thought they were the saviors and knew everything and no one could tell them what to do. And they really didn't join in mass associations unless they were required by law. 
They didn't right. really join associations until they were in their early 30s. Well, guess where you're at and I'm at? Most of the people in the Not your early 30s, region, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> well, the, well, the largest group of in history, the largest demographic group in history, the millennials are now early 30s and they're coming at the 35-year age in mass. And they're going to figure out very quickly as time goes on that associations are a good thing, just like the baby boomers did. Now, is it a different messaging? Yes, because baby yes. boomers didn't have access to the internet that gave them all the information instantaneously. Millennials do. So the question is, is what is what is the 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 messaging that lets them see the benefit and value of associations? Because, you know, it's hard to operate a company or be in business out there when you're all alone by yourself. And associations offer that mantra in our, in our association. We say, look, when you're a member of the Metal Trading Institute, you are never alone. Never. There's always somebody we can connect you with. Always a form that we've got that you can get an answer. You, you, get, you got your hands on the best minds. I think that's the difference. Um, which is a good messaging for young people because they can come in instead of, you know, logging in and seeing a lot of people that don't understand what they do. They can log into us one place and they can get hundreds and thousands of people that know exactly what they do. So I think that I always say that is a silver lining for associations because we're coming into where that large generation behind us is now starting to come into the age of where the baby boomers did in their mid 30s and say, you know what, I think I actually want to go to that meeting and join that association. because They offer some really cool stuff. We can hope. We only hope. So, Dave, we're going to the one question, right? Yeah, let's do it. Go ahead. You take it this time. So, Mark, what we normally do, did you tell him about up front what we do? No, I didn't. So, at the end of our at the end of our show, our podcast, we generally break it down to what was the biggest takeaway in the conversation for you, for us as us as hosts, to break it down to listeners. What did we take was the big takeaway for the entire thing? We always give the uh, the guests as well an opportunity at last after hearing ours to say what your big takeaway was for the for the time we're online so, so Dave, since, since Dave, you, I'll, I'll, I'll always go first i'm gonna yeah, let you therefore, go first this time thank you and usually i'm the one that introduces the concept so we're switching it up man shotgun all right so so for me the um uh gosh i i don't think i like going first actually um you go first. I'm scanning my notes, Tom. God, you right. caught me off guard there. I, I came in late, and I've got I've got a great takeaway. You know, for me, Mark, listening to you talk and everything. Oh, I, I got mine your, now. Sorry. Go your, ahead. You go. I love your pathway into associations are truly about connection, connection to a so connection to information, connection to people, connection to resources that you can't get anywhere else. Now you could go spend all day on Google, and you can try and find amongst the billion and a half pages that thing that you need. Or you can skimmer into the association and they'll probably tell you within five minutes a person, a resource, or an information link that gives you exactly what you need. So to me, the key takeaway today was not, don't forget that we are the ultimate connection to everything that you would need that can make you successful. Tom, I always like listening to you go first because I, I always agree, which is unusual for us, but I always agree with your takeaway being a really, really good one. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that similar to what you just said, I really enjoyed the concept of finding my people in an association. I know the the mm -hmm. main association I belong to, I belong to it because those are my people. They, the inch, I think, I don't know if it was a takeaway as much as the most interesting piece of it was, was Mark's struggle um, in messaging the 30 and under segment. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just intrigued by it. I, I don't have a great takeaway from that other than I, I acknowledge that um, it's definitely something that associations need to think about really hard. Um, 
Yeah, okay. That's it. So Mark, question for you is, do you have a residual message that you want to share or some kind of epiphany that came out of this conversation? Epiphany? Yeah. Well, it's always good to see that there are uh, people as equally crazy as I am. We call it passionate. at the same time, uh, equally uh, enthusiastic about what we do as association professionals. Um, and... Uh, you know, from the, 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 to piggyback on what you guys both said, right. You, you guys are my people, right. You get it. Um, and, uh, hopefully, uh, other people out there, uh, you know, get it as well. Uh, and that, uh, we can continue to do what we do, uh, for the organizations that we represent and, and assist. You're going to bring tears to my eyes, Mark. This is, uh, that's when you know you had a good podcast and somebody cries. But, but honestly, like in all sincerity, I want to thank you because uh, I appreciate you saying you guys. And the reason I appreciate that is because being a vendor in the space for the past 20 years, there's a bit of an us and them mentality for many association execs. And, uh, and it hurts my feelings a little bit because I am incredibly, as you can tell from this podcast, I am incredibly invested in our space. I am incredibly invested. You, you are a partner. I'm an association professional. That's for sure. Like that is my life. And, and so I appreciate you including me and being a part of your people because I am. Um, so with that, Mark, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? You can find me on the cmaanet.org website or, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn or any of the other social media channels. Would you give us your email? Are you good? It's you can hit me up at m gedris m g e d r i s at c m a a n e t dot org. Thank you, Mark. Really so Dave, appreciate your Dave, time. Yes, quick. yes, Tom. One one thing on the people thing: finding yeah. your people. I think we forget, Mark, and you may agree with this. I think we forget sometimes that, that half of our industry love people. And half of our industry don't like people, which makes it harder to grab that pe- that group that doesn't like people in crowds very much to draw them in to be a part of a people because they want they want to be isolated. They get they don't get energized by being in groups. They get energized by hanging on their couch or at the beach. And so I think that's the challenge there is the how do you have a messaging that taps into that person that just likes to be a little bit of a recluse? I think that's what that's what we kind of overshadow and don't think about sometimes in our messaging because come be with your people. They're like, I hate people. You know, there's little, there's literally people that own businesses that are, that are could be members of associations. I think that have that mentality, and it's it's hard to get that messaging through to them. There's, a way, you... there's a way to reach them. It's you know, with any organization, it's not always about come hang in this room with uh, right. 500 other people. It's right. do you have virtual communities? Do you have even more passive ways for them to interact? Right. Find your people can also mean you know, sharing a story, writing a white paper, reading a white paper, reading the thoughts of a, of a colleague, um, of a, of a peer that is still finding your people. Right. It's just being done in a more passive way. And you've got to make sure that your products that you're offering to your members and prospective members hit all of those different, not everyone is type, you know, type a, uh, extroverts. Let's all go out and get a drink together. Um, but they may still, they still have a need and you just have to make sure your products hit that need. Sure. Hey, well Tom, said. have you been, have you been working out? I have been working out because you look for, strong for like seven. My wife says the same thing for about now seven weeks. Oh, you know why? Remember there's two kinds of strong. 
they're strong and, there's and then there's associations strong. Strong. <laughs> strong absolutely man we got to work on that we all do. right thank thank you mark appreciate it great to meet you likewise thank you gentlemen we hope you gain some inspiration that will help you run an efficient and effective association just like a business and maybe laugh a little with us if you have a topic you would like to hear us talk about or if you just want to reach out to us for any reason you can contact us at tom at tommorson.biz or dave at propfuel.com Give us a review if you haven't already. And don't forget, subscribe and share with your friends.